Thanks for joining us, 97.5-1280, The Zone. DJ and PK, Mr. David James is off today. I'm PK, sliding over a chair, having a good time doing the show this morning, talking, of course, about the Jazz as they have an impressive win that they are coming off of. Now on a six-game winning streak, 26 games to go. What do you think, man? Can they get close to what they had earlier in the season when they won 22 of 24? Is it feasible? Is it possible? Did they have it in them? There was that little cold stretch where they lost four of six. Seems like it's somewhat of a distant memory, even though that, uh, you know, that playing the best competition. I'm not really concerned about the competition right now because I think that the Jazz have reached the level to where. It's completely about them. If you have the best record in the league, they're 35 and 11. So what's that? 46 games. I mean, once you you start reaching this many games as you're approaching 50 games here, and they only play 72 this year, uh, going forward, it's not about competition. Competition can get tougher. Yeah, and with that in mind, I am definitely, most definitely looking forward to the game against Phoenix. I think that's next Wednesday, uh, the 7th, and Phoenix got the Jazz earlier in the season. Phoenix is this upstart team right now, man, and they're very excited. My former hometown down there in the Valley, uh, listening to sports radio down there. Uh, Ryan Hatch used to be up here, is the boss down there. So I listen to them, see what's going on in my old hometown. And uh, the enthusiasm is just really, really high, as it should be, because I think they've had 11, maybe 10 seasons in which they haven't made the playoffs. And they used to be, when I was down there, man, they were a very good franchise. They were winning, going to the playoffs every year. And uh, the Lakers usually would get them in the postseason as they got everybody in the 80s. That's the way it went. So they could never get over that hump, as few teams could, against that ball club. So with that in mind, there's a lot of excitement there. So it's not like they're going to have a bunch of dog teams. And Cleveland's a dog team. And let's call it like it is, right? And how, how do we disagree with that? They're not very good. But the Jazz just rolled them, man. They just rolled them. And that's two games in a row where they've rolled. You know, they're coming out of the All-Star break. They had a couple of games. Well, Houston and then that first game against Memphis. Then Memphis back in. Now Memphis is better than Houston, that's for sure. So uh, they did give him a good. They did give him a good game. But Jazz did win that on Friday. Probably you would have thought it would be a little more comfortable. But give give Memphis credit. And that's the level of the NBA. There's a few bad teams, and I think Cleveland is one of them. I don't think Memphis is a bad team. They're not a great team, but I don't think they're a bad team. They've they've got some decent players. Uh, Valanciunas uh, went uh, for 30 and 10 last night. He's a big, big dude. And John Morant, we get to see him play. Uh, exciting young player. That movie he had against Gobert, a little crossover, then going to the bucket, and Gobert's right on him. He changes to the left hand in midair and banks it in. And that was very, very impressive. So they're capable of winning. So that's why I think the Jazz are going to have some losses along the way. But are they capable of rolling to the point of getting 26 games? Do you think they can go 21-5? and five? I think they can, guys and gals. I use that general new, gender neutral because so I know we got a lot of female jazz fans. I hear from you all the time. Yeah, I think it's there, man. 
What about it? I asked you, can they go 21-5? and five? Kenneth, Jazz can go 22-4. and four. I will do you one better, PK. Will they do it? Will they do it? Who knows? Can the Jazz do it? Heck yes. All right. Kenneth's pretty positive. Think they can do it? Hit me up, PK Kinahan. I'll read your responses. And they go 22-4 and four in their final 26. Now, I haven't analyzed the schedule because it's somewhat pointless to analyze the schedule uh, 17, 18 games out because who knows who's going to be available. Knock on wood as much as you can. Whatever you got to do for superstition in terms of health, do that because the Jazz have had – by and large, excellent health this season, right? And let's hope that they continue. All right, joining us now is Mike Smith. You hear him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game on AT&T Sports. Mike, you get the distinct pleasure. DJ's off, so you got PK solo today. Today <laughs> is your lucky day, Mike. <laughs> Good morning. How's everybody doing? You're you're flying solo, huh? Yeah, got to take. Uh, you got to allow a couple of days off uh, here and there. I don't know. Did Ralph Lawler ever take any time off? Uh, he wanted to never miss a game. Like that was his his mantra. He loved broadcasting more than he loved his own family, which <laughs> in some ways was to his detriment. Um. But the funny thing is, one time he he lived he lived like two and a half hours away from the arena. Like he he lived for one weird period. He moved to Palm Springs. Oh, he did. So that would that would be like, God, that wouldn't even be like, you know, Bowler Jack living in Logan. No. And you know, driving down to do the games. It was another hour, and one game he got stuck in some traffic thing, and he couldn't get there. And so they turned to me and said, Mike, you're doing play-by-play tonight. And I said, you got it. And when we moved, like, the the pre- and post-analyst over, and I did the game. And anyway, I was trained to do that. But, but yeah, he, he hated to miss games. Uh, we all did. I think I missed one game in 20 years with the wow. Clippers. So it's it's kind of a weird thing, right? You, you know it's a good gig. No, for sure. And you, you just kind of the Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip thing, like, you, you, you never want to – miss an opportunity and give somebody else a chance, somebody to say, oh, that guy's pretty good too, or that yeah. guy's better. But yeah, it, that, that, that's so funny you say that, Mike, because, you know, DJ and I, next week, we're going to be uh, marking our 19th anniversary of doing this, oh. tel- or doing this radio show. Good and for you, you know, guys. You know being in broadcasting that that's a long time to do a show. Yeah, it's uh, a so long you, run. Yeah, and, and in the early days as I was sort of making my mark, you talk about not wanting to take vacation. I was freaking petrified, Mike, because I oh, thought yeah. that very same thing, man. This is such a sweet gig, and I had worked my whole life. I wanted it bad. I grew yep. up in Phoenix. I first heard sports radio in uh, the early 80s, and it used to be on from 10 p.m. to midnight. A guy did it, and that's that was like the introduction. And I first heard it, and I thought, wow, I want to do this. This is me. I love sports. I'm not good enough to be a player. This is what I can do. I really wanted yeah. to do it, and I finally get the opportunity, and I did not want to give it up. My wife, I thought she was going nuts because I, 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 like, I would start to just almost get sick 
the thought of somebody uh, taking my place for a week. I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, there's all that that's involved, and everybody who gets there to a certain level, especially at the level you are or doing NBA games, we all have a story of how we got there. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I finished playing, and I, you know, wrote the Clippers, which is the last team I played for, and I said, listen, I'll do your games in Spanish. And they were like, what? What? No, we don't have a market here for it. And, of course, you know, they did because the Lakers are here in town, and the Lakers had not only Spanish radio but Spanish TV. And I said, listen, let's start with the radio. They're like, no, 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 you know, we – we we don't have the budget for that. And I said, listen, I'll go find the stations. I'll go find the sponsors. It kind of went back and forth like that. And finally they came back to me and said, nope, we decided not to do it. And I'm like, that's the wrong choice. <laughs> and then they called me back like two weeks later and they said, um, you know, we were thinking about it. We're not that happy with our radio guy in English. And so by radio guy, they meant like the David Locke guy, right? Not, yeah. not, they didn't have a color guy in radio. They said, one guy doing play-by-play. And they said, why don't you submit us a tape and we'll consider it? Okay, I'd never done radio. I'd never done play-by-play. But I sent him a tape of a game I watched. And I turned the volume down and just recorded myself into a cassette player. That's how ancient this is. Mm-hmm. And just did my best you know, Chick Hearn, who was the legendary Laker announcer that I grew up listening to, and just kind of sent him my best version of me doing play-by-play, and they hired me. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I started in the business. I was doing radio play-by-play. So I think I've said this before, forgive me fans or anybody listening, but Hot Rod Hunley and I are the only two ever to have played in the NBA and done radio play-by-play for the NBA. So that's, and I don't mind being linked with Hot Rod. I think sure. he's the yeah. best. What a run yeah. he had. Mike yeah. Smith joining us now. Speaking of uh, a uh, what a run he had, we know the Jazz earlier in the season, 22 of 24. I think we we just looked it up, and 21 of 20 of 21. Just an incredible that's streak correct. here. And so they've won six in a row. I don't know that they can get to that level. But the way they're playing now seems to be on the funk that they had earlier in the month uh, with a blowout loss to the Warriors and the, and the disappointing loss to the Wizards. I think they're primed to go on. I don't know to what degree. I don't know that they can match it, but I think they're primed to go on another run. What do you think? Well, they got all these games coming up at home, right? I know just a minute ago it was going to be 11 out of 14, so they just had a, a, a slew of them, the two at Memphis and then one away against Memphis and then Cleveland last night, right? So that was four of those. So maybe eight of the next ten or seven of the next ten at home. And I looked at the opponents, but they're the best record in the league. And, like, arguably you could say they're the best regular season team in the league. They really are right now. Yeah. Let, let's just Let's just not – they, they got a lot of great things going, okay? I talked to Steve Kerr that night. They lose to the Warriors. I talked to him the night before. So I was doing the pre-post for the Warriors game, and Steve's an old friend. I said, tell me your honest opinion. He goes, Mike, they're a lot like we were the first year we won it. He goes, they got multiple passers, multiple playmakers, a great assessment uh, of shooters. They defend. They get after you every night. They like each other. 
And so here was Steve kind of making this case to me that, listen, they're, they're as good as we were in some ways. You know, no, I, I don't see the, the Stephen Clay super-duper star shooter. But, you know, Stephen Clay were not Donovan Mitchell either. And that's being fair to them all, right? Steph is, I'm not saying Steph is one-dimensional. Steph is incredible and the best shooter we've ever seen and will go down as the best shooter ever seen and multifaceted. But Donovan's a little bit different, right? He score and can take a game over and can get his own shot and maturing right before our very eyes. But that was just like a very, he didn't need to do anything. He was just talking to me, right? He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't in front of a camera, Steve Kerr, so he was a little bit unguarded in his assessment. I think it was a, a real honest depiction of who they are. And of course, the Warriors went out the next night and beat them because Steph went for 33 and kind of just messed up the Jazz flow. But uh, they're good, and they got a chance. Oh, that was the last thing Steve said to me. He goes, "Mike, they're legitimate title contenders," and I really believe that. Now, I've only started doing the games after the second half of the season, so the first half I'm just kind of an objective observer because the bubble and they wouldn't fly me in until now we feel a little more comfortable. But now I'm watching them, and I'm saying, this team really has a chance. Now, PK, you and I both know that come playoff time, that stars usually prevail. Uh And it's true in basketball more than it is in any other sport. Uh, you know, Brady proved that it's really relevant in football, but in baseball, not so much, right? Baseball's a team game. Baseball, you can have that Cinderella team with the great assessment of chemistry where a team can win a title and catch lightning in a bottle. And the basketball, you can catch lightning in a bottle. Dirk and Dallas did it, you know, once. Dwayne Wade did it early there with that check. They weren't the best team, but had a, a historic rise of a certain player at a moment where they just caught it and went with it. Typically, or usually, it is the team with stars during a seven-game series that will emerge victorious because it's not a one-game shot. It's not March Madness. It's it's seven games. It's the best coaching minds in the game kind of trying to take away what you do best. That being said, if you consider all that, you'd say, oh, well, Lakers or Clippers, you know, probably the best talented star-laden team in the West will prevail. I don't know this year. Like, I'm telling you that. I don't know. I don't know that they can do it. I think the Clippers made a terrible move trading for Rondo and getting rid of Lou Williams. Because to my point about stars, you need stars. You need guys who can get a shot and create a shot. And I thought the Clippers were... uh, terrible last year losing that 3-1 lead to Denver. But but I thought with George, Kawhi, and Lou Williams, they become a little bit unguardable come playoff time because you need a third guy who can score. The Lakers are the Lakers and LeBron. And I don't know this year if they can recover from being out. I don't know how serious the AD injury is. I think LeBron comes back. I think he regains form. Is he good enough to take them to the finals again? It all depends on AD, but I typically think the Lakers don't have enough shooting to do it. So we'll see. Now that brings you back to the Jazz. Are the Jazz better than any other team in the West? Yes, they are. 
And in the regular season, they're better than the Lakers and Clippers. In the playoffs, can they beat those guys for seven games? That's what we're going to find out. I think they have a chance, and I think they got a better chance this year than I've ever seen. They defend. Rudy's better. If Bogey continues, you know, and Ingles, and I'm not saying they have to play at their historic, like Ingles just had a run, you know, eight games ago that was out of sight. Donovan's on a tear right now. Last night he would have done the same, but he only played 23 minutes. You know, if Bogey plays like he did last year and can find that stroke, you've got a shot to beat anybody. Conley's been amazing this year. They're really that good. So it's, it's going to be fun. And the Jazz are going to finish with the number one seed. They really are. That means home court advantage. That home court advantage in that arena is more important to them than I think any other team in the West. PK, I'm telling you, this this could be this could be the year. I'm that excited about it. Yeah. Okay. Jazz broadcaster Mike Smith joining us. You already gave your thought on the Rajon Rondo, Lou Williams acquisition. There was a couple other yeah. ones that I wanted to get your thought on. We'll start with, and you can take them however order you want. The Lakers add Drummond, the Nuggets add uh, Aaron Gordon, and then Portland yep. gets uh, Norman Powell. Assess those moves and how it would not, relate not, to postseason success. Non-factor up in Portland. I mean, Nor- he, he's good, and he's played great for Toronto. You know, that's, that's, that's okay. It's not, a, it's not a game changer. It's not a difference maker. Portland is still Portland. Portland's still going to so rely heavily on Lillard and McCollum to score 25 each to yeah. beat you. And they could do it on a given night, but they're not going to beat the Jazz in a seven-game series. But they're playing better. Give them credit. I think they've won maybe 9 of 13. And Denver, the identical record, I think 28 and 18, on the rise. Uh, yeah, Aaron Gordon's an athlete. Uh, I've never been a huge fan. I do think he got robbed in two dunk contests. <laughs> I think what he did in those two dunk contests was unbelievable, and he should have won hands down. I don't know how he didn't, but um, he's okay to me. Michael Porter is more of a factor in a player because of how lights out he's shooting the ball, and Jokic is having a great year. So they're good. They got off to a really slow start, but I don't think they're beating the Jazz, even though they got them last year. I, I just don't. Um, Drummond, Drummond. Listen, it, it all depends on AD, and I think that injury is more serious than anyone's saying. So I, I just, it all depends on him. Last year he was healthy. Typically he's not. Look at his history. He just doesn't. He's he's fragile. He just doesn't play 82 games. He's always missing games. He's always hurt. Last year he wasn't. And to the Lakers' benefit, he and LeBron carried them to a title. They didn't have to go through the Jazz, and they didn't have to go through the Clippers. So, you know, they just – and give LeBron credit. I mean, it was his best performance. I think that's the worst supporting cast he's ever had, other than AD. AD was amazing. But the other crew, compared to the other 3 through 12 on any other team he's been on, was the worst, and they won. So, I don't know. I think what's interesting is that the Lakers, even though they've won three in a row, can fall 
and could fall while LeBron's out and AD's out somewhere around yeah. six, right? I don't think right. they fall to seven. But if they fall to six, I'm loving it, as you are and as are all Jazz fans, because that would mean <laughs> Clippers-Lakers in the first round. And that means you get rid of one of them without having to play them. Sure. Like, like you, don't wanna, you don't want it to line up, so you've got to go through both of them. Because it's just going to be a tough, grinded-out series against talent-laden stars that you've got to stop for seven games. If you can get rid of one of them in one shot, you've got a chance. So, I mean, the West is good, but uh, if you just ask me who could win the title this year, there's really there's really five teams. Let's put the Suns Jazz, in there? Clippers, Lakers, Nets, Philly. That's it. That's it. Okay, winning the title. Uh, so you don't yeah, you don't the put, whole thing. You don't put the Suns as a threat in the West. No, no, not to win the whole thing. No. Not doing the good. whole thing, but just a threat in the West. Listen, they're going to finish second. I really believe it. Chris Paul is a difference maker. Chris Paul is too short to win an NBA title. That's, that's nothing against him. I've known it. I, I broadcasted every game he did as a Clipper. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I've seen his greatness. He's a leader. He's a game changer. He will elevate any team he plays on. He's, he's Magic Johnson numbers-wise for his career. 19 points, 9 assists, 3 steals, and his teams win. But Magic's six foot nine, and Magic's got 5 rings. And Chris is just too short to get to the finals. It's a shame. He's really that good, but it's not going to happen. They're, they're a little bit, they're a great regular season team. Monty Williams has them defending their butts off. They share the basketball. Booker's legitimate score. Chris Paul's made DeAndre Ayton a factor, and they've assembled a team that, that really wants to win. It's a great staff. Willie Green uh, is his lead assistant, who's a stud. I mean, I talk to him all the time. That They're just, they want it. They're not good enough in the playoffs to get past the second round. So there's just not enough star power there. But that's okay. okay. But I like that they finish second. <laughs> Let's keep the Clippers at three. Let yeah. the Lakers fall to six, and let's get rid of one of those giants on on the Jazz route to the championship. Yeah, I like that scenario. As far as Chris Paul, different player, but in terms of the height issues, how does it relate to Donovan Mitchell? Donovan's got great length. The, the, therein lies lies a difference. Donovan at six three or whatever he is, wingspan of six eight or nine is a finisher. He's got great length and strength. Chris is n- not long. So Dwayne Wade was long. Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. felt like Donovan, right? They're the same yeah. body types. Athletic, okay. long. Dwayne Wade almost seven-foot wingspan. That's why he played like he was six seven. Donovan uh-huh. plays that way, too. But Donovan's so much better this year than he was last year. For sure. And last year he was pretty darn good. We saw what he did in the playoffs. But he's so much better. There, there's such a there's such a, a slowing down of the game that's occurring to him. We can't do it easily, PK, because we we always see the present, right? It's even true with yourself. Like I'm not saying you. I'm just saying any of us looking at ourselves. We don't look back and see who we were four years ago, five years ago, or or in our athletic history, our infancy when we started out. 
right? Think back to Donovan rookie year and all those spin moves and all those leaners and, 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 and all those shots that were like remarkable to see, but then followed up the next year by all the times he forced them. Like it was like he discovered Pandora's box, like, oh, gosh, I'm longer than all these guys. And so when I get in the paint, I can go in here and lean and do these little one-handed leaners. And, and then the next year, the league kind of figured it out. And they're like, okay, when he gets in the lane, he's going to that move because the league's smart and scouts are smart and coaches are smart. And then the next year, Donovan evolves and matures. And, you know, you, you hit a 50-point game and all of a sudden your mind says, you mean I can do that? I'm going to go do that. Uh-huh. But I just watched him this year. You're watching him. He's yeah. so much better. No question. His three-point shot is better. All of his numbers are career best. So all of his numbers, points, rebounds, assists. But the only thing that's not, I think, is his field goal percentage maybe. is a little ticked down. But three-point percentage, career best. And that's hard to do. It's hard to increase your scoring every four years on a team that's built the way that Jazz is, right? It's not, uh-huh. it's not a one-man show. It's this, it's this multifaceted, you know, free-flowing movement of pick and rolls and slides and three-point kickouts. And it's not like they run plays for Donovan. He's really good. So, yeah, I mean, height's an issue, but he plays much bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. Mike, thanks for coming on this morning. Appreciate it. Anytime, my friend. I'll be back, I think, uh, maybe like three, four games. I'll be there for a slew, maybe, I don't know, 10 to 12 the rest of the way, and then all the playoffs. And, oh, cool. And, and hopefully next year full-time. So I'm, I'm fired yeah. up. I've loved this team from my days as a college kid at BYU, and I'm watching Frank Layden first coach and then Sloan and, you know, the days of Stockton and Malone. And it's just a great franchise. I'm super excited about where they're headed. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right, that's Mike Smith, jazz broadcaster. Do you share his enthusiasm? Uh, He makes a lot of valid points there. Uh, What do you think? Let us know. All right, coming up next, get you caught up to date, what we've been talking about. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Right side drive by Garland, sees Gobert, leaves, just goes home. Now he's going to try to attack Gobert. Reverse side layup, spiked out of the air. Everybody tries it once and nobody lives through it. Here come the Jazz. Ingles for three. Pow! Pow! Gasol! No, not that pow. (laughs) Pow! Joe Ingles on the three. The Jazz, yeah, the block shot by Rudy. And then leads to the three. And the Jazz freaking roll by 39 points. They were unstoppable. Absolutely against a crappy Cleveland team. But... They've been pretty pretty good no matter what. The great thing about it is you played a lousy team and you drilled them. Go home, get out of here, or wherever your next trip is. See you later. 
goodbye. And that's what the Jazz did to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You've got to love that as they have won their sixth in a row. 35-11, and 11, man. 26 games to go. Memphis tomorrow. What are they going to do? How far are they going to go? What's going to be their win streak? It's 26 games. What are they going to win? 25, 24, 23, 26 and 0? Oh my gosh, that would be unbelievable. No, they're probably not going to do that now. But can they go 22 and 4, 21 and 5? I think 21 and 5. Now, I haven't doped out the schedule, but 21 and 5 seems like uh, it is doable. Speaking of doable, this is just amazing, man. I've got on Get Up, uh, the uh, ESPN show uh, with Greenberg and. Uh, who's the one guy that uh, does the uh, college uh, game day? So it's, Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. David Pollock's on the right Pollock, there. Yeah. And then you also got, um, what's the other guy's name? It's uh, Rich, not Rich. Riddick? R- Lewis, Riddick? Lewis Riddick, yes. Lewis Riddick. Yeah. And he's there. Riddick is there live on the scene. He's got a mask on. The other guys look like, well, Pollock looks like he's at home. Greenberg's in the studio. And then Riddick looks like he's there in Columbus because it is – the pro day for Justin Fields, right? Correct. And, and probably all of uh, who's ever participating for Ohio State, but the quarterbacks get the ton of run. And they are talking about Zach Wilson here big time. They've already shown the throw. It's it, the throw. They've shown it now probably five times in just since we went to commercial. And now they're showing some other stuff of him. Uh, during the regular season against some of these teams that they've been playing. San Diego State looks like he just threw a touchdown there, a little out uh, inside the 10-yard line. And they are just going hard on Zach Wilson and the throw. (laughs) That throw. (laughs) If if that doesn't scream – Who's the dude who could throw the ball over the mountain in Napoleon Dynamite? Uncle Rico, baby. <laughs> That's throwing it over the mountain and that throw. They showed it at the BYU indoor practice facility from every conceivable angle. Side, ground, uh, back, behind them, in front of them. Man. And they're wishing they had more going, angles to show. They're going berserk on this throw. Now, I understand, man, he had like two or three throws, or you told me it was five or six that weren't on the mark, according to some people. (laughs) I didn't say it. Somebody else said that. (laughs) Okay, well, what do I know? I never played the game. Uh, You know what I think I'm going to do? I was thinking about this, you know, as I write a weekly piece for our website's back work in 1280 The Zone. Go check it out. Uh, KSL. My buddy Josh Furlong covers the youths, does a great job for them at KSL.com. He'll post that thing over there, too. And this I'm doing it a piece on Craig Smith and how I believe he's the right man for the job at the University of Utah. Even with his uh, hyperbole, I sort of enjoy his hyperbole. They've got a great nucleus at Utah. That's why they had a losing record. No, they don't. But go ahead and sell it, Craig. You did a fine job at, at Utah State, and let's – would love to see you do well at uh, Utah. We've said this a million times. Locals do well. It's good for business. And this far along the line, 19 years of doing the show, I'm not about to root against the local teams at this point. So uh, I was thinking about one of the things. When Zach was a freshman, I wrote a piece that said, BYU is back in the quarterback business, right? And uh, you can I, can you comment on 1280? I don't know if you can comment on there. But uh, at the KSL, they put comments, and, oh, man, I got ripped. 
And I got ripped on that. And I'm thinking about doing a piece going back and just putting in some of the comments that I got when I said, when he was a freshman, I wrote, BYU is back in the quarterback business. I believe that was the headline. You can go look it up. And uh, I know that uh, the Corner Canyon coach, Eric Kerr, who I know a little bit personally, my wife teaches there, uh, retweeted it. I think uh, Zach's dad retweeted it because I had spoken, and it wasn't me saying they're back, but you come after me because I'm the guy to come after. I get it. It was Jeff Grimes. It was Eric Kerr. It's guys who know what they're talking about a thousand times more than I do. It was Aaron Roderick who'd been a coordinator at the Pac-12 level, these guys telling me what they thought. That's how I get a lot of my information is they tell me, and then I formulate it myself uh, based on what they say and what I see. And I did put in that he's back, the BYU's back in the quarterback business. I think they might have proven right uh, on that as far as them being in the quarterback business because he had a phenomenal career, and now he's just uh, the the throw. They can't talk about that throw enough. It's just of all the stuff, I never would have thought the pro day throw would be that big of a deal. And then they followed up with a throw that Sam Darnold made because he's with the Jets, obviously. And I think Darnold's good, and that's probably my Pac-12 bias there. But they show him throwing a touchdown pass. I think it's against your Niners, Jacques, where he's big time across his body, and the receivers on the left hash cutting in on a little down-and-in play, and he does put it right on the money. There's no question about that for a touchdown pass, and it's probably a throw of maybe 20, 25, 30 yards. And did it sidearm. It was a pretty impressive throw. It's totally against his body, and he just zinged it, and it was right on the money, caught the receiver in stride for six. So that was very much an impressive throw. So interesting to see what the Jets are going to do. Because uh, John Lynch and um, Shanahan came out yesterday. They spoke to the media and said that, okay, they moved up probably to take a quarterback, but they're still thinking about keeping Jimmy G because the quarterback they get is obviously going to be a rookie, so why not have a veteran there too? Now, I don't know if that was trying to drive up trade value. I don't necessarily take what everybody says a complete 100% face value, well, they, but they I admitted find that interesting. If the right deal comes in, they will trade Jimmy G as anybody would, but they're – I think they're trying to play it safe here, where if they get a guy, let's say they get Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, he's more of a project than I think most people would consider Zach Wilson or a Trevor Lawrence to be, so maybe you have Jimmy G start his rookie year, do what the Patrick Mahomes model did. You had Alex Smith start for that year, then after that they take over as the starter, and in theory, that gets them a head start on their career and a little better positioning. Yeah, now Lance, he only played one game, so he didn't even have a season. Yeah, he's played the minimal amount of games, really, I think anybody really could. Do you think they go for him over a Mac Jones or a Justin Fields? So I was actually reading some stuff on this yesterday. I would actually think it's Justin Fields is probably the target, but Mac Jones can't be ruled out. And Mac Jones, man, I mean, what a phenomenal season. He completed 77% of his passes. That's the highest in FBS history. Now, you say, well, wait a second. I mean, they had a guy who won the Heisman, and he wasn't even viewed as the best receiver on the team. The best receiver got hurt. So is it how much is that just awesome talent? Is it the old high school thing? And I've spoken to quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators, and they talk about 
trying to uh, evaluate. I remember a conversation with Aaron Roderick on this very thing. How do you evaluate these quarterbacks? Because in some of these systems, now this, they're going from high school to college, and in those situations you get these guys that, you know, they're not pressured at all. The play they draw up in the, in the, in the, on the chalkboard and in the huddle, it just works to perfection. And away they go. And so is Mac Jones that same type of deal with this overwhelming talent? And he's telling me, Andy Ludwig, you know, that's why he wants to see the guys in person and evaluate them that way, not on film. Film helps. But he said, uh, Aaron was telling me uh, one of the days after practice when I was down there talking to him about it, talking about how uh, you really need to see them in person away from the film to see what they do and arm angles and all these types of things. And it's obviously it's very sophisticated and technical that the experts, which I am not one, they are uh, able to figure those things out. And even that, with that in mind, they still get it wrong. So draft coming up at the uh, end of next month here. I think it's, uh, what, April 29th to May 1st or something like that? Yep. And you mean Cleveland this year. And Zach Wilson just getting a ton of love, as he should. I, I thought, and those guys told me, this kid's the real deal. I think he proved, obviously he proved it at the collegiate level. Now you got to prove it at the pro level. Just because you prove it at the collegiate level doesn't mean you're going to prove it at the pro level. But uh, at this point, uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and he's going to get that opportunity. That's the great thing about it. So that's what we've been talking about. Other stuff that's going on in sports here in the NBA. Clippers get the win. They hammer the Bucks. I just don't believe in the Bucks. Do I believe in the Clippers? Now, we just had on Mike Smith, and he thought the trade for Rajon Rondo for Lou Williams was awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, interesting. Yeah, he you know, came strong on that one. The uh, idea is the Clippers needed a true playmaker. And Rondo, you know, I wonder, Rondo, does he just kind of slog through the regular season? Because I thought in the playoffs last year with the Lakers, he was way better than I anticipated. And if he can match that, now he's got better talent with LeBron and Anthony Davis, even better than what the Clippers have. Uh, Clippers got decent talent. So will he be able to have the same impact? Because if he has the same impact, and the Clippers are a team, certainly a team to watch. But I like Mike's idea, Jad Broadcaster, Mike Smith, saying he would love to see the Lakers fall to six and keep the Lake, uh, Clippers at third and have these two teams square off. How about that, squaring off in the first round? Wow, that would be awesome. And one of them goes on the wayside and doesn't the Jazz don't have to have to face both of them. It would, uh, and we'll see if they even face either of them, but that's uh, interesting. All right, PK, coming up next. Yeah, go ahead. One note before we go here, going back to the kind of the pro day thing for BYU, Tom Pelissero, he covers the NFL just on a national level, uh, says that former BYU wide receiver Micah Simon, who obviously went undrafted last year after COVID wiped out his pro day, he participated in pro day last week for BYU, ran a reported 4.34 second four-yard dash, and today is signed with the Carolina Panthers. So... Oh, they already signed him as a free agent, huh? Yeah, I signed him as a free agent because he's obviously a free agent now having gone through a draft yeah, yeah, cycle. Yeah, yeah, because you're out, right. So yeah. congratulations to him yeah. on that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, was it Hefo or Simon who caught the throw? Hefo caught the throw, but Simon was also in that yeah, throwing right, session. Right, right. Yeah, I'm so fixated on the ball in the air for 1,000 yards right on the money that I forget who was the other guy at the other end. So it was Hefo who caught the pass, but Simon is signing a free agent deal with Carolina because he's run a 4-3. That's awesome. 
Uh, I hope maybe he can be another like a Michael Davis story with uh, San Diego and find yeah. himself a home yep. and be in the NFL for a good while. That, that, that would certainly be cool. Good for uh, Michael Simon. Wish him the best of luck. Stay with us. We'll wrap up the show next. Get you ready for Scotty and Hans coming up at 10 o'clock. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Need to tell you about the warehouse. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 6. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. Yach, do you want to do the boom or should I? Boom. Nice. All right, you'll work ready. on it. Get a little lower next time. I don't expect you to be Thurl Bailey low, but boom. You know. <laughs> boom. <laughs> All right, the uh, warehouse, uh, the big shows uh, tend to be there on Fridays. Uh, and they'll be there again this Friday. And they've got those prices. It'll blow your mind. Boom. All right, feedback. So a couple things we were talking about this morning. What do you think the Jazz can do over their final 26? What's their record? And then also talking about should Utah continue some kind of series with Utah State and Weber? Craig Smith was doing his press conference on Saturday, and he talked about he likes the series. It looks like the BYU series will continue there, uh, and that makes sense because I don't see where uh, that's going to hurt your power ranking or net ranking or your NCAA chances through either team. Really, uh, I don't know that it will hurt it that much losing for that matter. And it's great for the state. Those two teams, they need to be playing without question. They need to be playing every year. That was a dark moment when they decided not to, and they got past that real quick. Uh, go ahead and play. Uh, the football, I can sort of live with it, but basketball, no, absolutely. They need to play every year. But Craig Smith, he would say, yeah, he's interested in playing these games, but he doesn't know that they'll play them every year because he doesn't know that it's right recipe to set them el- set themselves up for success. And, and my, my comment on that is that when the Utes went to the Final Four, they played SUU, Weber State, and Utah State, and obviously they played BYU twice in the conference that year, and BYU sucked uh, back then and uh, didn't hurt uh, BYU, Utah's chances or their seeding, and they got to the Final Four and the final game for that matter. Uh, Branson comes out and says they just need to hold a true single elimination tournament at uh, ESA in October every year. Seven D1 in-state schools plus Westminster. Do we have seven D1 schools? Yeah, we've got Utah State, Utah, BYU, Utah Valley, Southern Utah, uh, uh, and Dixie State. So that's six. And then seventh seventh would be Westminster, but they're Division II, if I recall. Okay, yeah, all right. So if you include Westminster. If you include them, yeah, you have seven there. You said seven D1 schools, seven D1 in-state schools plus Westminster. Uh, I don't think we're missing anybody, are we? I don't know. Once you start getting the numbers, I check out. Okay, fair uh, enough. <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, if you go Dixie, SUU, BYU's three, Utah four, Utah Valley five, Weber, and Utah State, that is seven. Is it not? I think you are correct. Yeah, so Branson is right on that uh that would be cool i mean i get i would prefer utah to play home and home with utah state i mean majerus went to weber uh and he, only, he went to logan 
it just it, it didn't hurt. It did not hurt their chances in the NCAs, and it did not hurt their seeding. There's plenty of games to overcome it, and I just and I know he played at Weber. I remember uh, who was it? Uh, Boyette went off one time for yeah, Weber. Boyette, yep, and. Uh, uh, I, I they lost to Weber I, and I I can't remember what year, uh, and I was there at the uh, up at uh, Weber's arena. And Majerus was in the locker room, and he came out, and you know it's well chronicled. He and I weren't the best of buds, and I asked him like three questions, and he said uh, Weber played well. It's like the Rashid Wallace, and I thought the hell with it. If that's all he's going to ask, uh, that's all he's going to answer. I'm going to ask about 20 questions. <laughs> we always had this back and forth. So I'm just creating questions. So what do you think about that boxing out in the second half? Weaver played a great game. And he kept giving the same answer. And I kept asking, just, just creating questions that didn't even deserve to be answered. But I figured we were playing that game. All right, coming up next, Scotty and Hans. Stay with us tomorrow. DJ will be off, but I'll have a special guest, and he and I will get into it. I'm not sure about what, but I know we will. We'll have a lot of fun, so join us tomorrow starting at 6. Thanks for listening.